The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In the book of Acts, Peter or Paul, they'll be preaching, and it will give a great multitude or many people were saved. But in the book of Acts chapter 16, we have three different individuals that come into this confrontation with Christ. And we know, too, that really their lives were changed. We studied one yesterday, and that was Lydia. Today, we're going to look at the slave girl that had the spirit of divination, and the spirit is taken out of her, and we're going to assume, hopefully, she did receive Christ. And then later on, the well-known story, the Philippian jailer. All three of these individuals in the town city of Philippi came to Christ. And what a difference. Lydia, a seller of purple, quite wealthy, a slave girl at the bottom. I mean, here she is a slave and she's a female. She's at the bottom rung of society. And then a Philippian jailer who had been a soldier probably and now had this job. And so Luke shares the story about them being saved. So we want to share that with you today, and we hope that you know Christ as your Savior and that you have come to Christ. And what I'm saying that for, it doesn't matter if you're at the top, middle, or at the bottom. Jesus Christ can come into your life and save you. I love Acts 16, Alex. I love it because of the the place, but also the people that Luke tells us about. Wow. Well, Acts sixteen sixteen, and by the way, Bert, that was a great setup. And yes, we are in Acts chapter sixteen. Uh, Bert, as is so often the case, the word meanings and the language reveal so much. It says, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel or young teenage girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying or fortune telling. This is the occult. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And she did this many days, but Paul was grieved and said in his spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And this spirit came out of her the same hour. Now, Bert, uh, in the original language, it, the words translated in English, quote, spirit of divination. Did you look up what that word is in Greek? I did not. Go ahead. It's the word python. Uh, yes, I did. I forgot that. Like the python snake. I did. It, it says yeah. a serpent. But in ancient mythology, uh, there was it was believed that a python serpent could give someone the ability to tell fortunes. Yeah. But this is demonic. And, and let me just say, uh, if you're a Christian, and even if you're not a Christian, if, if you're not a Christian, we urge you to put your faith in Christ and be born again. But we don't have anything to do with the occult or fortune-telling or divination. And I just thought the fact that the word is a serpent, boy, <laughs> wow. uh, serpents do not have a good connotation, do they? <laughs> they do not. And, and I remember this. They say, well, you mean they have the power of, of prophecy or predicting? And I remember something that Dr. Rogers, Adrian Rogers, have we quoted him yet this week? We need no, to. But, you know, so we, we're long overdue. We're right? long overdue. 
And he was talking about back in 1963 when Jenny Dixon predicted oh, yeah. concerning President Kennedy and his assassination. And Dr. Rogers said, well, you can figure out where this spirit comes from. She she gets too many right for it just to be women, women's intuition. And she's not sufficient enough to get it right all the time for it's from God. So you can figure out where it comes from. In other words, it is uh, demonic when you have yeah. this kind of soothsaying, this fortune telling. It's quite different than a word of prophecy from God proclaiming what is true. And so, Alex, uh, here it is, this girl. Uh, I lo- you're just talking about the word and looking at it. The word that got me was annoyed. And uh, so I mm-hmm. looked it up, and it has several ideas, distressed, uh, perplexed. But more than anything else, it means aggravated. I mean, this was just getting on his nerves, her going, because she was speaking truth. Listen to it. These men are the servants of the Most High God. That's true. Who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. That was true. But over and over and over again, she was prophesying truth, but it annoyed him. So he decided to do something about it. And notice what he said. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out that very hour. And so, Alex, there was, after this had happened, all those people that were with her, they were excited. Weren't they proud that this all happened according to verse 19? Is that what you read, or do you uh, no, read something different? No, uh, they, their meal ticket uh, was, was gone. It's like, listen, I've heard stories of uh, when moonshiners get saved and they bust up their still or something like that. Listen, if somebody is delivered from sin and darkness and set free in Christ, people should rejoice, but the, her masters, this is not of God. I mean, she, she was just a piece of property to these people. But, you know, it's, it's interesting that Paul, and, and again, you know, he is just recently, it hasn't been too far back, that Saul of Tarsus persecuting the church became Paul converted on the road to Damascus, but he's bold, and he, he certainly already understands how spiritual warfare works, and he says, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And Bert, uh, spiritual war- warfare still takes place to this day, doesn't it? It really does, and a lot of times we don't recognize it. We need to. We need to understand that the power in the name of Jesus. And I remember, okay, we Got Dr. Rogers. Let's let's get Billy Graham here. I remember reading an article in Decision Magazine about this young man, and it was written up about him. He was in a motel room, <clears throat> and uh, he was uh, contemplating suicide. Turned on the television just to cover the noise of what he was going to do, and he just happened to be Billy Graham crusade on. And right at that moment, Billy Graham would say, "If you're." And you know how he would say it, if you're at home, if you're at work, if you're in a bar, if you're somewhere in a motel room right now and you're desperate, would you just call on the name of Jesus? And just Mm -hmm. at that moment, that man that was about to kill himself heard that, and he cried out and started saying, oh, Jesus, Jesus, his life was changed. And, And so, Alex, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, again, we had those people that wanted to use God's power, and the demons turned on them and said, Paul, I, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? It's, it's mm. for those who are in the name and walking 
in the power of Jesus Christ in this spiritual warfare that Paul was raging was was again. It started. It happened on the first missionary journey in Cyprus. You remember turning that man mm-hmm. blind for a while. So the Apostle Paul, uh, he's ready to meet any challenge, and he does here. Well, the masters of this girl that was previously uh, possessed by this spirit, they engage in cancel culture. <laughs> they they went to the magistrates, and they said, these people stir up the, the population. They teach customs not lawful for us to receive at, or observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against Paul and the ministry team. The magistrates rent off their clothes, commanded that they be beaten, and when they had laid many stripes on them, look, Bert, from verse 22 to 23, there is an arrest, there is there are beatings, they're put in the jail. Now we're going to see a miraculous salvation even within the jail. But let me just point out right now, Bert, I, I was on an interview today, and there's an incredible movie called The Sound of Freedom. Have you seen that I movie? have. Yes, I have. We, I recommend it highly. Well, exactly. And people are trying to cancel this movie. I heard a story this morning that all around the country, people go to the theater to try to see Sound of Freedom, and theater owners are telling the people that we can't show it because the air conditioner is broken in the theater. And uh, because Sound of Freedom is made by Christians and because it's not part of the woke agenda, the, the left that prides themselves on justice and tolerance and compassion, they're canceling an excellent movie that's really, it's not all that spiritual of a movie, but it is about human trafficking. But my point is let's, this. Let's put it even more child human trafficking. Oh, I okay? know. I, I know. I, don't, I hate to say that, but I think that's well said. Right. People uh, nowadays are trying to cancel something good and true if it doesn't go along with their worldview. And even back here in Acts chapter 16, Paul is they're using the law, the popular opinion, um, the magistrates to cancel the sound and the influence of the gospel. Because look, it's all about worldview, but in the case of these masters of this young girl, it was all about money too, wasn't it? It was. Let me say one more thing about the movie. Even though it was in so close to 2,000 less showings than than uh, Indiana Jones' new release, you know? Right. It out, the numbers were greater for The Sound of Freedom. It was a Amen. victory. It's Amen. a victory over all obstacles. And you're just talking about it being the, it's not gospel, but it is legitimate. The The guy that Jim Caviezel uh, uh, oh, yeah. demonstrates or plays, he is a Christian doing that great work. So anyway, if you can go see Sound of Freedom, uh, Bert and Alex, we're saying I think it would be a good thing. Now, Alex, one more thing real quickly. Notice what it is. Money. Verse 19, but when our, her master saw that their hope of profit was gone. In the book of Acts, there's two times that Paul gets into difficulty with the Gentile population. The rest of the time, it's the synagogue, it's the Jews, and they they cause problems with uh, others, you know, but it starts with the Jewish population. Only in Acts 16 here at Philippi, Acts 19 in Ephesus, it is the Gentiles that are first aroused. And guess what the issue is every time? Money. Money. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that is the whole idea 
And so, listen, Paul doesn't care if it's the synagogue or if it's a temple or if it's Python, as you said. He's going to stand up for truth and speak the truth, and God's going to see him through as well, isn't he? Exactly, exactly. Well, this is a, a famous story of the New Testament, and God is faithful. God uses them, but you get there to verse 24 that uh, it's a charge or an edict given that Paul be thrown in prison, and they were they put them in the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, a miracle is going to happen, and it's an exciting one, and When we come back after this brief break, we're going to talk about that from Acts chapter 16. Yes, verse 25 starts off well, but at midnight, God did something. We're hoping God's doing something in your life as well. We'll be back with more of Acts 16 right after the break. the eyes of our heart. Bert, as a youth pastor, many a time uh, I get up and play the guitar and we play that song, and that is one of my favorite praise songs that we would see the light of his glory. Well, folks, we're in Acts chapter 16, and let me say, if you feel like you're in the dark of a midnight, or maybe you feel just hemmed in by some circumstances, in Acts chapter 16, in the inner prison with feet chained up in stocks, immobile, in a prison, in the dark of a midnight. If you ever would feel despair, something like this would have done it. But our God does miracles in the midnight of our life, doesn't he? He does. Now, I just want to say personally, that doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is what Paul and Silas are doing at midnight. Uh, If I had been beaten, my feet in stocks, surrounded by, you know, soldier and whatever, and I sing, and I'm praying, and I'm singing would, praises. Alex, would you have a praise service and I, a I'm testimony afraid, service? I'm afraid Bert Harper would be complaining. Uh, you know, yeah. God, why have you Why have you gotten, I hope I would not, but uh, Paul and Silas, at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were doing what? They were listening to them. You know what they were saying? We've never heard anything like that before. We've never had people beaten, putting in stocks, and them praising God. This is Mm. a different kind of people that we have here in the inner sanctum of the prison. Alex, they are a different kind of people. They're people that's been changed by God. God's come into their lives. He's invaded them. Paul has been changed. Silas uh, is, is probably a Greek, Sylvanius is what he's called most of the time. It's a Greek name. And at that time, there was this earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Underline that, if you would, in your Bibles, people that have it. Their chains were loosed. We hear a lot of songs, and I love them. My chains are gone. I've been set free. These chains were loosed. Are the chains in your life, have they come off? Has God shaken your life enough 
for good that those chains that has you wrapped around and hurting, addicted, sorrowful, he wants to set you free. Mm. Now, Alex, let me read verse 27, and then I want you to comment, and then verse 28. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, send the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. Now, that was the Roman law. If you have somebody, if you're a guard, and you let the prisoners go, no matter if it's an earthquake or not, your life is taken. So he was about to commit suicide because he knew that was what would happen to him later. Well, I was going to say, Paul's obedience to the Lord is going to prevent a suicide here. Paul cried out with a loud voice in verse 28. In other words, Paul shouted, saying, Do thyself no harm. We are all here. Isn't that something? I mean, they didn't scram. You know, the door's open. Uh, Let's run while we can. Paul says, look, we're all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, and he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) Wow. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. This is a miracle. There's an earthquake. Prison doors are open. And, I mean, isn't it an interesting question? He didn't ask, um, why didn't you guys try to escape on on my watch? Or, um, what do I have to do to bribe you to get you to help me? But he knew the power of God. He had heard the praises. And, Bert, I've got to say, we don't know how many hours or moments, maybe for a couple of hours, before the earthquake, they had been praying. And maybe maybe Paul and Silas, they, they had, for the first couple of hours, maybe they wondered if, uh, you know, is this even doing any good? But the jailer knew the power of God was with them. Amen. Notice this, praying and singing hymns, how unusual. The prison doors are open. The stocks are gone. Man, this this is mounting up for this jailer. Here, this they're singing hymns and praying. They're, the doors are open, and they're still there. I remember something they said in one of those songs. They were talking about, you know, loosen the chains of my heart, oh God, you know, whatever it might be. And he <laughs> says, sirs, what must I do? And I'm going to change it a little bit, Alex. What must I do to have what you have? I, I've heard yes. it. I've seen it now. What do you have that I don't have that I need? How can I be saved? Alex, what a statement, and they were plain. Now, the word believe, we need to understand. It's not just a set of facts that you believe. It's the person whom the facts are about. And it's not just something of believing knowledge. It is trust. The word is comes from a word in the Greek language, pistos, which means faith. And it mm. says faith, in, if you wanted to put it in an accurate term, but it doesn't translate as good in our language, faith on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In other words, trust him, put your faith in him, in him alone. And it says you will be saved and your household. In other words, listen, it's going to happen to them because it's happened to you. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who are in the house. Alex, they, they, that was their opening statement. Trust in the Lord and you'll be saved. And then they went on to explain it fully. And this man, what did he do? 
the self same hour of the night, he washed their stripes, and immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Christensen, a great, mm-hmm. great father in the past, said, while Paul and Silas's wounds were washed, this man's was washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I thought that was a great, great comparison. Amen. Well, verse 34, after this man and his house are saved, when they had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. I mean, this is the wee hours of the morning, and they're having a fellowship meal. Isn't this something? <laughs> Amen. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. Uh, now, there's there's a postscript to this story. But isn't this funny? 24 hours prior, Paul and his crew were in, in the midst of a hopeless situation. Now, people are saved. They've had fellowship. God is praised. The kingdom is extended. Bert, even in our what we think for the moment are hard circumstances, God has a purpose in it, doesn't he? He really does. He takes those things and works them for good. We had a caller yesterday talking about all the evil things. What What is God permitting? Is God causing that? Well, sometimes God does cause judgment coming upon people. Yes, he does. He is a holy God. He responds. But even in these times, he takes that and he turns it into something for good, for God's glory. Let me say just one thing about uh, verse 34 before we go on. I know you have, but I, I just couldn't help but notice this. Notice he brought him into his house. Alex, uh, that was, I, I think that's symbolic. In other words, uh, this jailer, he wanted to bring him home. I want my family to hear what I heard you praying and singing. I want them to hear yeah. about this God that you're praying to. I want them to know him. Do you remember a man called Zacchaeus that climbed up in a tree? Oh, yes. Do you remember he oh, came yes. down the tree? Didn't he invite Jesus into his house? He did. He did. He really There's did. There's something about that, isn't there, about the hospital? What did Lydia, what had Lydia done earlier? Or she, she wants them in her house, and later on in verse 40, she's going to say, come stay with me. Yeah. Is, yeah. Am I reading in too much of that, or is there something about Jesus and being in the home? Uh, uh, yes, and, and really, you feel a bond. Let me just say, as long as you live, you will feel a bond with the person that brought you to Jesus. Isn't that true, Bert? It is. It is. So here's the thing, though, and this is where Paul is just brilliant. Paul is brilliant. So he says, okay, now go in peace. Verse 37, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned of a crime, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privately? No, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans, Roman citizens. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Bert, I think about Joseph when um, his brothers came to to Egypt to get grain during the famine. 
uh, and he put a silver cup in Benjamin's sack, and he, you know, said, uh, I'm going to scare him a little bit. I'm going <laughs> to forgive him. But um, Paul, he, he plays his Roman citizen card. He had rights as a Roman citizen, and, you know, those sergeants and magistrates, there wasn't a thing wrong with Paul, uh, you know, reminding them that his rights had been obstructed, and he scared them a little bit, didn't he? I think he did, and notice it says they were Roman citizens. Silas was a Roman citizen. Yeah. And yeah. now what had happened in the first missionary journey, Barnabas was with them, and Barnabas was totally Jewish and seems like no Roman citizenship. But here on the second missionary journey where God is going to call them over into Europe, further and further away from Jerusalem, closer and closer to Rome, he has his partner being Silas, another Roman citizen. I don't think that's by accident. I believe God in his providence was demonstrating this. And you're just talking about them being Roman citizens. Now, why? what had they done wrong? They had nothing. Now, verse 22, go back to that and listen to this, and, and, and verse 23, and see what's missing. Then the multitude rose up together to against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. Now, what is missing? A trial. A, a fair trial. A fair trial. A trial and a conviction. And then no Roman citizen was to receive any punishment that would cause shame. In other words, they, uh, yes, they could be in prison. They could do, but beating with rods was a, a, a system of shame as well as it being punishment. And so, Alex, here, you said it well. Paul brings up, we are Roman citizens and you've done this to us, and they want them to get out of town. But Paul says, no, those magistrates need to come here and release us themselves and carry us out the way a Roman citizen should be treated. And mm. so here he is using his Roman citizenship for the glory of God and using his Roman citizenship. This is not the last time he'll uh, use it. He'll appeal to Caesar but he uses this Roman citizenship as a place uh, of, of power, of strength. We need to use our American citizenship in voting, running for office, doing all the things that is required because our Constitution says we the people. And so I say it all the time. We need to be stewards of our citizenship. And so here Paul is a stewardship of his citizenship in Rome, isn't he? Well, well, now, some of the woke pastors of 2023 would say, now, Paul, you stay out of politics. Uh, <laughs> you just take the beating and the stripes, and you don't uh, avail yourself to your lawful Roman citizenry. So if somebody ever says, should a minister be uh, engaged politically, you know, I think Acts 16, 37 through 40 is an example of lawful uh, political rights, uh, inserting yourself into political dynamics when it's appropriate to do so. Preach this it. is Amen. Yeah. Well, Alex, 17. Let me, let, yeah, before you get to 17 here, uh, we got about two minutes left. I want to make this transition. I noticed it. Notice what it is here. We start out in chapter 16. Now, as it happened, we went to prayer. 
and the spirit met us, the spirit of girl. And it says in verse 17, the girl followed Paul and us. But notice what it says in chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when they passed through Amphalus and Apollonia, whatever Mm -hmm. you could say them, they came to Thessalonica. You know what this means? Luke stayed behind. In other words, here is Luke, who is a Gentile, and he stays, and this is part of Paul's missionary strategy. He, we found out he goes to a synagogue if he can, but he went where the worshipers were. He preaches the gospel. They come out. They start a church, and Paul has gone out of town. But here he's got Silas with him. He has Timothy with him, and he himself. But Luke has joined them as well. But it, notice this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy leave town, but Luke stays behind. Paul had a heart for this new group of people meeting together in the name of Jesus, and he leaves Luke there in order to strengthen them. I I just wanted Mm. to bring that in. I think that's so important that God would, you know, he wants us to grow. It's not enough for us just to be, yeah, we're saved. Now you're on your own. No, the Holy Spirit and now Luke is helping these people grow in the Lord. How important is that? Amen. Well, you, you know, Bert, have you been to Greece? I have not, no. no nor I. I want to go. Erwin Lutzer uh, asked if we would go to Greece and do a trip in the footsteps of Paul. They go to Amphipolis, a city surrounded by the sea, 30 miles from uh, really uh, Macedonia. But uh, it's still there to this day. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to take your questions, 888 589 Call. And we'll take Bible questions after this brief break. They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I have right now. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you on this Thursday. We've gone through the book of Acts 16, chapter 16. So that means Monday we'll be in 17 and there'll be in Thessalonica. That means tomorrow will be Fire Away Friday. Alex and I always look forward to it. We look forward to each day, but Fridays are a little special because we get to talk to more of you. And Alex, speaking of talking to people, are you ready to go to the phone lines? Let's do it. 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you today, folks. And we have Luke from Iowa. Welcome, Luke. Hey, good afternoon, Bert and Alex. Uh, I'm a salesman. I'm in my car all the time. I get to listen to you guys every afternoon. And I just, I don't have a question. I just wanted to share something with you. If you don't already know about it, um, the first time it went up for a vote, it was voted down. But the uh, legislature in the state of Iowa uh, voted unanimously Wednesday. I, I tried to get through to you yesterday, but voted unanimously yesterday um, uh, to pa- and pass the what they call the fetal heartbeat bill, which will make it illegal in the state of Iowa. <clears throat> to have an abortion after six weeks. Now, <laughs> the, obviously, obviously the Planned, Parent, Planned Parenthood and, and everybody has put a, slapped an injunction against 
against this bill. The governor is supposed to sign it tomorrow. Governor Kim Reynolds right. will sign it tomorrow. And from what I've been told, you know, it's supposed to go into effect immediately. Now, they're blowing it all out of proportion that, oh, my, you won't be able to get a, an abortion in Iowa. But there are some exceptions, but and, and we all know what they are, but whether they're good or bad. But basically, uh, uh, it's a great day in the state of Iowa Amen. as far as I'm concerned, and I haven't stopped Amen. thanking God for all, all the prayers that have been answered. Uh, Amen, I mean, we We've Thank all you, been brother. we've been all been praying since 1973 about the, uh, an end to abortion. But if I, I didn't know, catch the national news yesterday, I don't know if you guys heard about it. But it's big news in Iowa, and of course you got all the left and everybody protesting and raising holy yeah. cane. Luke, but, thank uh, you for calling. Brother, praise God. Thank you, Alex. I think we need to have a prayer of praise. Would you lead us? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Iowa and this this legislation to guard human life. And Lord, please let an ethic of life spread throughout our nation. Father, silence and obstruct those that want to murder the unborn. And Lord, please, by your Holy Spirit, call us back to righteousness and moral truth and let our Constitution and Declaration stand that all people have the right to life. Bless those courageous people in Iowa. May it spread throughout our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Luke, thank you for calling us. I'm glad you got through today. And we praise God for, for what took place there and those courageous lawmakers. May God increase their tribe. Well, let's go to Illinois. Don, welcome. Hello. Thank yeah. you, uh, Alex and Bert, for your ministry work. I appreciate it. I listen to you every day, almostly. Hey, mm -hmm. um, I heard Alex talk a little bit about this sound of freedom. And uh, I had a question brought up to me about uh, the cast that was in this uh, movie. Now, there are small kids, I guess, and they were just wondering about why is uh, these kids exposed to that kind of I guess, um, activity. Uh, are you talking, Don, stay on line. Are you talking about the cast member, the children's cast, the children that were playing the parts? Yeah. Okay, let me speak. They did their best to protect them, not that they would know everything about it, but they were doing and playing a part. And uh, so it, from what I understood, uh Caviezel to say, Jim Caviezel and Tim Ballard, who the story mm -hmm. was about, they protected those children. They did know some, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, it's, it's, listen, compared to the children that they were playing, they were protected so much. But uh, it's a great movie. And Don, I think they'll bring up anything to try to hurt this movie because it. I think the reason so many people are against it, Alex, is because it's going to expose people that are involved, and this is just Bert Harper's thinking. Uh, it's going to expose people who are involved in this human child trafficking that, that are in leadership and big positions, and they don't want to be found out. That's just my opinion, Alex. I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. And so, no, it's an ethical movie, and it was ethical, ethically done, and it covers some 
subject matter that needs to be talked about. It took them five years. That movie was made five years ago, but Disney bought it and had it, and they were putting it on a shelf, and Angel Studios, were the ones that did The Chosen, they were able to go and get that movie and bring it out, and in 90 days, it was in the theaters, and praise mm. God for that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Don, for listening. Let's go to Tim in Texas. Welcome, Tim. Hi guys, I I really uh, appreciate what what you guys do. I've been uh, listening to you on my way home from work for about seven years now. So, <laughs> hey, uh, thank you so much. much. Appreciate it. You, you've probably Tim, you've probably heard everything we've ever said. Then no, go ahead, man. <laughs> go ahead. I just don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't either. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, just a general comment. I believe it was your last caller yesterday, and she was. Uh, struggling to reconcile how Psalms 91 uh, can be applied to all of the, I guess you would say, violence in the world. And it, her question left me curious. So when I got home, I dug into my commentaries, and it, it, it seems that the the confidence that the the author was was speaking about was more related to uh, spiritual protection and not necessarily physical. Just wanted to see what you thought about that. Well, let me say this. Uh, in my Bible, it's Psalm 91, and in parentheses it says this, the abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, which leads you to the point where I think there's much similarity there because Jesus said we're going to have tribulation. Jesus uh, knew that. Jesus himself went through it. Paul went through it. So I do believe it's spiritual, but I would put it this way, the physical and uh, the person I ever heard say this first uh, was uh, Corey Ten Boom. It says, God lets, and she went through, uh, through the prison camps in, in Nazi Germany, okay, Alex? And said, it's like a seethe. God permits certain things to get through that seethe, but you'd be surprised what didn't make it, and he kept it from happening to us. Yes, bad things happen. But you wouldn't believe what could have happened had God not intervened. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, if you look at 3, 4, and 5, it talks about the things that God delivers us from, and we are in the shadow of the Most High. And one of the things in verse 5, and this is quoted in one of my favorite movies, The Ten Commandments, that God, because of his protection, we're not afraid of the terror by night. And the word there really means dread. And Bert, don't you think Psalm 91, to a large degree, whether it's pestilence or the destroyer, um, it speaks about the safety that we have in the, the powerful arms of our Savior, doesn't it? It really does. And like we've said before, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ and illness comes upon me, difficulties, I will be delivered. It may not be in this life. It may be when I stand and in front of him. But our true, true healness does take place. It does. He heals us. He protects us. And and so if this is a shadow of the physical, it is completely the truth of the spiritual, what he does protect for us that way. And I appreciate that so much, Tim. I think it's a great, great call. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Jesse. Welcome, Jesse. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to, the one of the previous callers speaking about the movie Sound of Freedom, um, 
and how the media that you were saying the media doesn't want that out i firmly don't believe we have a media anymore what we have is a propaganda machine and have for several years now which is sad but in the movie um his character uh quotes better a millstone be tied around their neck than to hurt one of the little ones and i was saying to myself are is the church to sit by and and do nothing i mean yes we're to pray we are to pray but um if we sit and do nothing will we be judged okay and i'm just Thank you, Jesse. Yes. Let me just say this. I had last night, I was at prayer meeting at Auburn Baptist Church where I'm interim pastor here in northeast Mississippi, and I had two different people come up to me. Seen the sound of freedom yet? Yes, I've seen it. And they said, man, what? We need to go see it. People need to see it. It's not entertainment. It is eye-opening. But it builds iron, spiritual iron, to do something, Jesse. And they are believers. Tim Ballard, the main character that Jim Caviezel played, is a follower of Jesus Christ. And because of that, that's what he did. And now he has started a whole ministry that's going out and trying to deliver these children out of that bondage. So something is being Mm -hmm. done. We need to be a part of it in our prayers and actions as well. Alex, would you say anything about that? Well, you know, there are some movies that you need to see. You might not think you want to see. The Passion of the Christ in its original form, you need to see it. And I know some of the people that worked on that film. Uh, Sound of Freedom, you you need to see it. In His Image, made by American Family Studios. And Bert, some things you do for entertainment value, some things you do for educational uh, impact, and this is one of those. I would say another one is the Jesus Revolution. Need to say a- that. Amen. amen. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Great minds. Hey, let's go to Alabama and talk to Walt. Walt, welcome. Hey, brothers. Uh, what a blessing to uh, have a minute with you. Uh, I've Bless got a you. question kind of about a personal pain. Um, been a deacon in a small Southern Baptist church got accused of mishandling some finances. Um, and when I reached out, nobody wanted to support me on it. I started an investigation and found out it was actually a mistake made by the bank. And um, I, it just it's left me hurt because nobody would support me on it. And I, I, I can't I can't find anything in the body. You know, I see where you get accused and grace and all those things, but... Okay, well, well, we're going to be praying for you. Let me just share this. You've got to un- you've got to come to the point. You care not what men may say to me. You come back to what the Lord knows. You start there. You start with what God knows, and then one at a time, one person at a time. I doubt if it happens as a whole. It might happen that way. But one person at a time will see the truth, and hopefully they'll come that way. But while you do that. Don't let bitterness come in. Uh, have a forgiving heart. Bitterness will destroy the container. And Alex, go ahead. Well, in Psalm 142, 4, 5, uh, David understood it. Certainly the Lord understood it. It says, I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. But I cried unto the Lord and said, Lord, you are my refuge and my portion. You know, uh, let me encourage you to try to let this go. You know, Bert, 
I mean, you, you just can't uh, stew on these things because uh, man might abandon you, but God never will. Amen. We've already talked about Joseph's brothers uh, abandoning yeah. him and doing him harm, and God used it for good. Walt, I believe God will use this. Father, we pray for Walt. Give him strength. Give him courage. Give him a forgiven spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Sharon. Welcome, Sharon. Hey, uh, thank you for taking my call. You guys are great. I love to listen to you all. Thank you for your testimony. I just wanted to say that I that I saw an interview uh, for uh, Sharon, we lost you. We're so sorry. Uh, I don't know what the interview was. I know they interviewed Tim Ballard uh, on uh, Friends on Fox this morning, Alex. I think it was this morning. And it was an, if you can get that and pull it up, it'll bless you. Let, we got time for one more call. Danielle in Mississippi. Danielle, thank you. Uh, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You there? Yes, you're on. Okay. This this morning I was reading in a uh, devotional that we had with my daughter about uh, singing with praise, uh, with grace in your heart to the Lord. And I know what it means for God to give us grace, but what does it mean for us to give God grace? <laughs> does it, t- toward the Lord, grace toward the Lord. Uh, let me give you this, Alex. What did David learn to do? Paul, wait, they learned to wait on the Lord, and he will bring mm-hmm. it to pass. Part of that grace is waiting on the Lord because God is at work. We we see the issues. God sees the whole picture. Go ahead, Alex. Well, I think the verse they might be referring to is Ephesians 5.19. It says, singing to the Lord with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Make Some say, grace to the Lord, making melody in your heart, but it really means praise to the Lord. So uh, God doesn't need our grace, but it is appropriate to give him our praise. We do, and we give him praise. But I would say, don't wait on the Lord. He, he is working on your behalf. If you're a follower of Christ, and what he's working on more than anything else is your character, not your comfort. We love his comfort, but he wants us to have that character Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. Hey, tomorrow is Fire Away Friday. We'll be ready for that. But until then, you tell someone about exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.